Well, good morning to all of you. If I've not met you, my name is Rob Pfeiffer. I serve on the pastoral team here at Forest Killarn. I, I primarily oversee any of our ministries that, that really involve the next generation. Uh, we have our kids, youth, and even up into our young adults. And uh, it's a, it's a wonder, wonderful opportunity to be able to minister among God's people in that context. And I'm, I'm very grateful for all that are involved to make that happen. And uh, really grateful to be able to to bring you God's word today. I get to teach our high schoolers uh, weekly uh, for our youth group, and I enjoy that immensely. But this is this is always a true joy for me, and I'm, I'm grateful that I can be here with you to open God's word. We are taking a break uh, with our Roman series. Uh, we are in the season of Advent. Uh, we are in the first week of Advent, and. Uh, we have a, a new series that we're going through. We're calling it Isaiah and the Inc- Incarnation. And we're going to be going through various passage, passages uh, from the book of Isaiah that really speak and, and, and show us the, the hope that we have in Christ, the, the miracle of what God has, has, has done through Christ. And uh, we also want to connect it to today uh, to be an encouragement and point us to what is to come. Because in Advent, what we're... What we're uh, Signifying is Advent itself. It means arrival. It means coming. And uh, growing up in the Lutheran church that I did, we, we took Advent very seriously as part of our, our liturgical calendar. And I, I just have to confess that as a, as a child, it was always, for me, focused on uh, Christmas, right? I mean, Christmas Day coming up and uh, the birth of Christ. And we are to focus on that. We are to uh, celebrate and to worship God and, and what he has done and, and bringing the Messiah, bringing Jesus as he had promised uh, to this earth. But at the same time, here we are living today in the reality that we, again, are uh, awaiting what? A second coming of Jesus Christ. So Advent for today in the church signifies so, so much. And I do pray that this week and these weeks to come that, that your hearts are encouraged and your minds are, are focused on the incredible work that God has done through Christ and what we can hope and anticipate of Christ's return. Uh, we do have a, a, a study, an Advent devotional that we've made available to, to the church. Uh, my wife Shannon has, she put this together. It's a, it's a four-week study that you can do as a family uh, you can do within your home. Uh, you can do together with friends. And uh, they are available out in the lobby. I think there's, there's some left. Uh, if you go out here and go to the right, there's a table with some bags. And uh, this is in it as well as a gift for, for you uh, for the Advent season. So I encourage you to, to check it out and be blessed by it. And so as we go through this series, um, I really want us to be mindful of, of, of the reality of what we, again, what we focus on in the past as to what God has done in bringing about uh, uh, the Christ himself, but really tying it into today, today for you, that, that this, this, I pray that this message today really encourages you and, and draws you into the work of God in your life. And so before I dive in, we're going to be in the, uh, just to let you know, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11. Uh, but before I read God's word to us and begin the sermon, I would like just to pray for our time. So join me in prayer, if you will. Lord God, we give thanks to you this morning. The songs that we sing together, the reason we're here, it's because of Christ. We gather today to, to celebrate and to, and to worship and give glory to you for what you have done through Christ. 
And I pray together that together, Father, as we open your word, that God, you work in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit illuminate these truths to our heart and our minds today. And may our eyes and our heart be fixed upon you only in your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you guide our time together now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. I'd like to invite you to stand as I read God's word to us. If you're willing and able, please stand to give honor to our Lord this morning. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 6. A voice says, cry. And I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and All its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald the good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. So I mentioned earlier, one of my roles here is overseeing our youth. And in the many years that I've, I've been on staff here at, at Four Oaks, I've, I've had the, the joy, the honor, the pleasure of seeing our youth grow older. Uh, when I first came on staff uh, back in 2008, the, the youth that were part of uh, the ministry then, they're now grown adults. Some of them are, are married. Some of them are, are living the life of adults. And, and, and so there's been many, many generations so far that it's been a wonderful opportunity to be a part of. And of course, with that comes memories. Memories and experiences I've had leading the, leading the youth and filled with, with laughter, filled with like, why did they do that again? And that's okay. That's just what we do. Uh, all the questions that come with that, but also the many adults in our church that have served our youth and poured into their life and come alongside the families in doing so. But one thing that sticks out to me that I, that I always am fond of are, are the summer trips that we do each year. We, we typically go to New Orleans with our high schoolers, uh, with our middle schoolers, what we've done over the years, and we, we've taken what we call middle school wilderness trip. And some of the youth in here are like, oh yeah, I remember that. 
and I can't wait to go again. Some of the adults that have gone on that trip with me in here, they're going, man, why did you bring that up? Um, you know, I thought that was, well, I did put it in the past, but here you are bringing it up again. Um, I'm joking. Not to say that the trips weren't hard, but they have been a wonderful blessing. But in particular, 2019, we, we took our last wilderness trip. And uh, the students that went on that trip, they are now in high school. And I kind of look out over the landscape and I see them in the church this morning in the, in the service. And this trip in particular was, was very challenging. Okay? It is called a wilderness trip. We are, we are seriously, we are out in, in the sticks. We are in the outback, if you will. Uh, this is primitive camping. It's not glamping. It's camping. Okay? This is like no electricity. I mean, we're out there fending for ourselves, cooking for ourselves, and, and having a blast in doing so. We are amongst the animals. There's been a couple trips in the past where in the middle of the night I wake up and I hear something going on that something is definitely dying and being eaten. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stay here in my hammock and hope it doesn't come find my Snickers bar in my pocket right now. But at the same time, it's, it's true that as we are out in this wilderness, it, it, is, it is tough. This trip I mentioned back in 2019, there was the, the, the day had come. We had made it halfway through the week. It had already been a very challenging week with different things that we had to um, overcome, things that were unforeseen. But the students, like they always do, they came together. We came together as a community, and we uh, overcame them, and God was at work in that. We hit the midweek. We're going to one of our favorite swimming holes. That night, we surprised them with uh, some pizza. We actually found some pizza in the wilderness, so it shows how much that was a wilderness. But anyway, we, we found pizza, surprised them, and man, it, it was like the week was going like this morale, then all of a sudden, bam, it's, it's that high point. And, and I'm thinking, okay, this is good, this is good. But lo and behold, it begins to rain again, but I'm talking torrential downpour rain. In my mind, as we're enjoying the pizza, I'm reminded that, man, we have great tents, I know that everybody had zipped up their, their, their rain fly, and they had followed instructions on how to set the tarp under the tent and fold the tarp under, and, and the, the folks that were hosting us, they made sure everything was great. We head back to the camp, and lo and behold, basically every tent was a swimming pool, and floating in the pool was sleeping bags and pillows and all the good things. <laughs> hard. If you've been camping, getting wet in the rain, that is not fun. But here's what happened, man. By the end of the week, the students were, well, first of all, they did great. They overcame. They did wonderful. But in my mind, I was thinking by the time we got to the end of the week and we're going through the, the testimony time, I was prepared to hear a lot of like, man, this is not, this wasn't a fun week. But to my surprise in Thanksgiving, they were very, very pleased with the week. I really saw that God had worked in their life and that through our version of the wilderness that week, God was definitely at work. And they had come together and they have done a great job. And to this day, they look back on that trip and they say, man, that was a great week, Pastor Rob. Thank you for taking us. And even most, if not all, of the adult leaders said, sign me up again. I'm going back. And I was like, yes, I'm glad because that was a really hard week. <laughs> but at the same time, when you step back and look at your own life, and this is where I don't want to make light of things today. I know that all of us, in, in some particular fashion, are going through the wilderness right now. 
Maybe we have just come out of the wilderness, or maybe we're foreseeing that we're about to walk through a season of life that's going to be incredibly difficult, incredibly painful, incredibly challenging to our faith. And we see here in Isaiah 40, we we see those that walked through the wilderness in the way that we were taught in, in maybe Sunday school and what we've heard preached over the years and the way we've gone to God's word. We're, we're talking about the Israelites. The Israelites knew a little bit about the wilderness, right? They knew about the wilderness of being slaves in Egypt. They did that wilderness for 400 years. After that, they, they got out of that wilderness. They crossed through the Red Sea and and wandered around in the wilderness for another 40 years. And it was during that season of wandering that the Israelites were solidified as a nation. It was in that wilderness wandering that they grew to trust God. But what happened? Did they continue to remember where they came from, how God worked in their life? Did they continue to trust and, and repent and turn to God? No. We see time and time again throughout the book of Isaiah, this first half leading up to chapter 40, Isaiah is constantly giving prophecy to the Israelites to turn back to God, to repent. You have turned away from God. You're trying to solve your issues, your problems on your own instead of trusting in the Lord. And warning after warning after warning, they were given to them. And finally, we find leading up to chapter 39 is this prophecy of the fact that God, God basically had had enough. He says, you were supposed to be a people of just love and justice, and now you're a people of idolatry and injustice, and I just can't have it anymore. So the prophecy from Isaiah speaks of the Babylonians, that they they completely destroy Israel. And we see this play out in the Old Testament. That they're taken off into exile, yet another wilderness. And really for us to understand how this Isaiah chapter 40 just plays out, speaks to our hearts. We we need to understand what had been lost up to that point. and And what was to be lost and how the Israelites lived out this prophecy in their life. We can jump to, we can go to the book of Lamentations. Chapters 1 and focus on verse 2 and I'm going to read part of verses 16 and 17. And the prophet Jeremiah, he is, he is basically giving the, the heart cry of the people of Israel. And it, uh, people that have, that have suffered, that are continually in exile. In Lamentations chapter 1 it says, She weeps bitterly in the night. With tears on her cheeks, among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. In verse 16, it goes on to say, For these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. Verse 17, Zion stretches out her hands, but... There is none to comfort her. We're hearing a heart cry from a people who are truly apart from God, who are feeling like they've been abandoned, who are going through incredible pain, who are just just in a place that they don't see a way out. 
you're like me, you can relate to that experience. We can think of times in our life where we've gone through hardship, we've experienced incredible loss, we've faced death of loved ones, maybe even tragically, always trying to make sense of how these things are to come to pass and, or why they've come to pass and how do they fit into what our lives are meant to be. And so we can understand discomfort. We can understand pain. But I want to take us even deeper. I want us to, to really understand our own wilderness of the heart. The fact that, and I'll speak for myself, left to my own devices without the work of God in my life, I am going to turn away from God. Before I was saved, I was rebelling. I was an enemy, I was an enemy of God. I was definitely not a child of God and facing the wrath of God. But yet God in his kindness and his mercy and his sovereignty gave me new life in Christ. He saved me. And I think it's important, while the things that we experience and may be experiencing now, they, they can be painful, they are definitely real, we have to also go to our own heart because that, that is where the relationship with God begins. That's where our trust is grown. That's where our faith is built as we understand and relate to what God has truly done in our lives when it comes to our standing with him. So in a way, we see the Israelites facing this similar reality. They are apart from God. They have turned from God. They are rebelling. They're questioning. They're crying out. And let me read these two passages again, just kind of together. Lamentations 1.16. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me. One to revive my spirit. My children are desolate. For the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. There is none to comfort her. But Isaiah 40, 1 through 4, comfort. This is the Lord speaking. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort my people. And the main point of the sermon today is this. It's, it's that God will give you comfort and strength when you are trusting in Christ in your time of weakness and need. And as we go through this passage over the next several minutes, I want to see three ways that we find this comfort and that we can go back to and we can be encouraged in. And the first being that we, we find comfort in the revealed glory of the Lord. We also find comfort when we are trusting in the eternal word of God. And finally, we find comfort as we behold the greatness of God. 
the revealed glory of the Lord. Verses 3 through 5, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In the time that this is written, what is, what is being said here? It's, being, it's a prophetic voice saying, comfort is on the way. Your God is coming your God is on the move. It's happening. And for a second, it's, I think it's important for us to just okay, imagine being in the shoes of the Israelites. Truly experiencing and living out this exile. Truly living out being separated from God. And if we're not connecting that to our own hearts and understanding how we, apart from Christ are in the same place. When we think of comfort, when we read this passage, we can do ourselves a disservice because we start to think that comfort is this this pie-in-the-sky type of comfort. We're not going to the place of the depths of our hearts to understand how we need Christ and God has shown up in our life to give us the comfort we need, who is Jesus. You see, this comfort that we read of here, it's a wilderness, wandering, rescuing type of comfort. This is the comfort that says to the people of Israel, you don't need to leave the wilderness to encounter comfort. You will encounter God who is coming into your wilderness. How often is my prayer, my cry to the Lord, Lord, take me out of this wilderness. Where is the exit ramp to this path that I'm on? I want it to stop. I want it to go away. But time and time again, I am overlooking the fact that it is God who is entering into that wilderness of my heart. He is entering in to comfort me and to also be at work in the situation that I'm facing so that I begin to understand his work in my life. My own flesh just wants it to stop. But we need, I need to see from this passage the encouragement that God enters in to our wilderness. I didn't choose God. He came into my life while I was still a sinner and he rescued me. He entered into my wilderness heart and he pulled me out and he rescued me. It is the kindness of the Lord. You see, what we read here is the, that every valley shall be lifted up. In verse 4, you see in verse 3, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Talks about the, the mountains shall be made low, uneven ground shall become level, rough places a plain. What this is speaking figuratively is our, is our hearts. God is making a highway for his kingdom to be revealed in the lives of his people by redeeming them. The mountain of sin in my life is now leveled because of Jesus Christ. The valley that I face of despair is now raised up because of Jesus Christ at work in it and the work that he has done on the cross. You see, the power of this passage is that the comfort is coming. 
And it's coming into our wilderness. It's not just to take us out, but it's meeting us in it. Can I encourage you to really think about your life now? That even though what we're reading is an Old Testament prophecy, it applies to you now. Because like I said earlier, in this season of Advent, we are anticipating the coming Christ. The return of Christ. The return of Christ. In Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, we see Mark begin his gospel by saying, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So we see the fulfilling of this prophecy actually playing out with John the Baptist. Verse 4 goes on to say, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Followed by verses 7 through 11. And he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came down from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. In John 1.14 we see this truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want you to remember during this Advent season that the comfort that Isaiah speaks of, this comfort became incarnate, and his name is Jesus. And the truth is, like I said, we don't, we don't need to leave that wilderness to encounter God. It might be the very place that he's put you so that you can actually hear his voice. Because we see this, I mean, Isaiah is not saying just leave Babylon, just go away from where you are. No, he's saying that God is doing something at work here that's going to be revealed, not only in the coming of the Christ but also in the growing of his kingdom, the kingdom that now resides in our hearts because of the work of Jesus, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom that is here but not yet seen. And this is being done now. And I want us to hear this morning that when we read this prophecy of prepare the way, yes, it was pointing to John the Baptist, but I also think that this applies to us in a way of like, how are we living our life now? How are we living our life to show that we, in, we indeed believe in the coming of the Christ, that he will return, that there is a kingdom that God is growing day, day after day by calling his people to him, by residing in their hearts. Think back to the day that you remember, you can point to that God saved you, that your heart was awakened, that your heart was made alive. God's kingdom expanded that day. To include you as his beloved. To include you as his son or daughter. 
Who in your life was preparing the way for you to receive that truth and to have it lived out before you? I can think of countless people in my life who, who live the example of what it means to know Christ and what it means to live out Christ. And not only that, the people in my life who lived in such a way that their treasure in Christ was so great that they had to proclaim it, they had to live it, and they had to know that whatever situation God had them in in that moment, he was using it to reveal himself to remind them that they are a child of God, but to reveal himself to those around who need to see the work of Christ. How are you living your life this season? I don't say that to judge or condemn. I have to ask myself the same question. Am I focusing on the wilderness? Am I focusing on just the things that I want for my own comfort? I need to remember what Jesus has done for me and cling to that and cling to this prophecy that the glory of the Lord revealed in my life made me alive. And I can be comforted in the fact that I don't have to face the wrath of God, that I indeed have the comfort of God living in my life because he has redeemed me. In verses 6 through 8, we see this, this other prophetic voice coming in to say, in verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. We find comfort as we are trusting in the eternal word of God. You see, when I'm in the wilderness, when I'm trying to live my life, who do you think is the number one person I'm relying on to get through it? Not Christ. Rob Pfeiffer, sufficient on my own self, looking at my own way or own ability to will myself through whatever it is I'm facing, or to maybe pat myself on the back because of what I have just come through, or to withdraw from the pain that I'm experiencing and just want to deal with it on my own, fearing that no one would ever understand what I'm going through. I'm going to be judged for whatever it is I'm experiencing. You see, the reality of the wilderness for us, and I want us to hear this truth today, that there is something that definitely dies in the wilderness, and that is self-sufficiency. I don't often live in the remember, like remembering being at my wit's end. I don't often live in the pain of what it's like to know and feel no hope when all I can do is just depend upon the Lord. You see, Isaiah and his people, they were stripped down, and, and ironically, they were, they, were, they were put in the very place where they had the most power, and that is dependent, dependent on God. We can live in the same. Dependence upon the Lord and the Lord alone. And as we do so, here's another outworking, if you will. As we rest in God, as we find strength in Him, as we rest in the eternal truths of who and what He says He is, and fully understand that we are hearts. We are truly like the grass that withers and the flower that fades. And standing on the fact that the word of our God will stand forever. 
our perspective, it, it shifts to see that all that he's doing to sustain us, instead of looking at to what he's not doing, my eyes are open to what he is doing. And the grace that I was blind to at work in my life. We like to think that we, you know, we don't realize how much God is at work to make us avoid a certain situation, protect us, or even protect our own hearts. See, God is sustaining us. And I think as we dwell in the fact and we release our self-dependency, release it onto the Lord, there is something else that grows. And that is this. It's a capacity, a capacity to increase or increases that to help others and be used by God. Our capacity to love others, to serve others, to meet them in their place of need who, who are suffering. And maybe suffering with something that you went through in your life that you can speak into. Our focus becomes upon the Lord and upon the other around us. Where we're loving the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we're loving our neighbor around us. I don't want to go through the wilderness alone. I need the church around me. I need my my brothers and sisters in Christ to point me back to the reminder and remind me over and over again that the eternal word of God is true. I want to be careful not to Dismiss the fact that even in the life of the church, we can be hurt incredibly, betrayed even. I don't want to make light that I know that, and I'm thinking of folks in our church and families in our church who are going through incredible suffering and loss, tragic loss in their lives. But no matter how great the pain, no matter how great the betrayal, what doesn't change is what the Word of God speaks to us. And the call we have to be a comfort to others through it. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so that through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, with which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This is a together, a together reality for us as a church. And even for the world around us to be that voice of comfort and hope that a lost and dying world needs to hear, needs to see, and needs to experience by people who are faithful and trusting the Lord their God, trusting in what Christ has done for them, and standing firm no matter what they are facing. That is testimony. That speaks mightily. That is real. So as we find the comfort in the eternal word of God, Isaiah goes on to say this in in verse 9. 
through 11. He says, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God. So as we rest in the truth of what God speaks to us, that in the wilderness we know that he is with us, we know that we are living a reality today that he is coming again. It's miraculous. It's marvelous. It's beautiful. While we experience and acknowledge those truths in our life, let us not overlook the opportunity to simply just behold God. To look at what he's doing. Look at what he's done in your life. To take it in. Behold all that God has done to meet you in your place of wilderness. Behold your God and take him in. I think Mary, the mother of Jesus, is, this is, there's a great example of this we find in Luke chapter 2. In verses 16 through 19, this, this, this account takes place after, right after the shepherds were given the angelic message of the Savior that was to be born, that had been born. And they witnessed this amazing supernatural event of the heavens being opened and the heavens rejoicing and giving praise to God for what has just taken place. Prophecies fulfilled, God at work, God entering into the wilderness through the birth of Jesus. And we see in these passages, it says, And they went with haste, they being the shepherds, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They are, they are giving testimony to what the angel had spoken to them. They're giving testimony to, to what they witnessed. And Luke goes on to give the account. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Of course they did. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She's holding her Savior. She's experiencing the prophecies coming true that she had been spoken. The call that she had in her life that was given to her by the angel that this would come forth in her life. And that this child that she would bear is the Messiah. She's holding and beholding God. Let that be an encouragement for us this morning. That God's prophecies have been fulfilled. God is at work in your life. Marvel at it. Give God praise for it. But behold it. Treasure it. Ponder it. And look intently upon it. You see, as we behold the work of God in our life, as we behold the true treasure we have, what do we do? We speak about it. Just like 
Just like we see the, 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 the shepherds, they can't contain what they are experiencing. They can't contain what has just happened. They are proclaiming. And I pray that you are able to see that God has been faithful to you in your life. And that you can behold and that you can treasure and that you can proclaim and be the witness that God calls us to be. As we work, as we proclaim, and as God continues to prepare the way of the coming of Jesus. As this passage concludes, we are also seeing and understanding the the nature, the reality of who God is in this. It talks that, it speaks of the mightiness of God, that that we are to boldly proclaim it. But as we see this passage end, it It not only says, behold, the Lord comes with might and his arms rules for him, but we also see that he will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. There is this dual dimension that we are finding here of God. He is mighty. He is all-powerful. He is holy. But God is here to meet you in your place of need, whatever that is, with tender mercies, with love. You see, what we're seeing described here to us, it's, it's the gospel, it's the good news. The merciful God that we serve, we, we have the safety that we can cry out to him. I encourage you to cry out to him in this season that you're walking in if you need to. Because God will meet you, and God will care for you, and God will protect you, and God will stand for you. This picture of of the shepherd, it talks about the arm of the shepherd. Get the picture in your mind of the shepherd standing there with his staff, and he's what? He's holding the lamb in his strong, strong arm. And this is Jesus for you. You are held by Christ. In the tender arm of Christ, but the strong arm of Christ. And I pray that you are encouraged by that truth. We see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see that this hope has an arm around us. And we are seeing here that comfort has a name, and his name is Jesus. And he is our eternal hope. This morning we are celebrating together Advent, the first week of Advent. And the candle that we traditionally light is called the prophecy candle. It's also called the candle of hope. And as I light this candle together for us as a family of God, I pray that you are encouraged this morning by the eternal hope that we have in Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Have hope this morning. Jesus was born into this world. He lived, he ministered, he died for our sins, but he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven and he is coming again. Let's be encouraged in that this morning. Let me pray.